documentary. This is, this is a Sean Ryan show interviewing Stephen Greer on He's UFOs. currently working on a documentary scheduled for release in late 2023 called The Lost Century and How to Reclaim It. The documentary addresses how energy solutions have been suppressed in the past and how they could now come out for the benefit of all mankind using an open source strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been telling you that I was going to dive into this subject for a long time, and now we have one of the leading experts on extraterrestrials and free energy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Stephen Greer to the Sean Ryan Show. If you haven't, please go down, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, leave us a comment, and share this information with everybody you know. I want to give a special thanks to all of our patrons for supporting the show. It's because of you guys that this happens. I also want to thank everybody who's just watching the show and sharing it. If you can't join Patreon, please head over to Apple Podcast, leave us a review, and then head over to Spotify and leave us a review over there. All right, without further ado, please welcome Dr. Stephen Greer to The Sean Ryan Show. Sean Ryan show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It is an honor to have you sitting across there. I've been following your work for a while now. I've watched all the documentaries. It's fascinating information that you're that you're putting out. I I can't believe you're even sitting here. Um, oh. It's just it's a real honor. But it's an honor to be with you, and thank you for your service and everyone listening. You've served our country. I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. So just a little bit about you. Um, I gave you an introduction uh, just a few seconds ago, but you've briefed every president since Bill Clinton on the subject of UFOs. You have three personal friends that have been assassinated since, I believe, May 9th of 2001. And those were before. Those were before. Yeah. May 9th, the reason I bring up May 9th, 2001, is that's when you first hosted the National Press Club for the U.S. UFO Disclosure Project, which ironically was just four months before September 11th, 2001, where over 20 intelligence officers came forward with information about UFOs, right? whistleblowers. The main reason you're here is whistleblowers. Would you like to go in there? Yeah, I do. And I, I want to start early on. So the way this evolved in uh, the early 90s, I had started a, pro <coughs> project, a project dealing with this. 
And uh, we had set up a protocol where we had made contact with these objects. That ended up being on the front page of the Pensacola, Florida paper. Army intelligence and CIA found out about it, and then they came in and started asking, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And that started a whole process where um, people in, there were friendlies and unfriendlies in the, in the U.S. government and other governments who reached out. And the friendlies were people who were very much read into some of these projects who knew that they'd been managed illegally. Uh, and they began to advise me. Now, I've never been in the U.S. government, never been in the military, never been in the intelligence community. So I started out pretty cold and pretty green. I'm an emergency doctor, trauma, you know, big ER. Each of us saw 6,000 people a year. The gun and knife club, we called it. And uh, by 93, I was being asked to go up and brief um, the director of the CIA for Bill Clinton, uh, R. James Woolsey. Now, you know, I'm a 30-some-year-old medical doctor going up. And I, the letter that came to me, and this is the key point I want to make, stated, and I have it, it's in my archive, it's going to come out pretty soon publicly, and it says you're going to be the first person to brief the Clinton administration and the director of the CIA on this issue, because they made inquiries and have been denied access. What? Now, huge red flag should go over everyone's head right now. You're talking about the President of the United States, the director of the CIA, making a, through channels an inquiry on something that they know is happening, and they're being denied access. So immediately I knew... Either that was a lie, or the whole enterprise has gone off the rails uh, in terms of being managed illegally and improperly. So at that point, I went up, took the meeting. Uh, the cover story was a dinner party for me and my wife and the CIA director and his wife, who was the uh, chief operating officer of National Academy of Sciences, and our host, who was a think tank director for the Pentagon, and his wife. So there's six of us. And sure enough, he was very shaken. He, he absolutely had not been read in. <clears throat> and so I provided him a lot of information. I brought a whole briefcase full of evidence. I mean, just positive evidence, documents, photographs, this, that. And this is 30 years ago this year, December 13, 1993. So at that point, in my whole paradigm tilted, where I realized there's something very wrong with this. I didn't know anything about, you know, the popular terms now or the counter-state or the deep state or secret government, illegal projects, on and on and on. It was off my radar, totally. You had no idea at the time no, that any this, of that was happening. Th this was, <laughs> I, I had actually sort of a serious PTSD over this because it was like completely upended you know, my world. Uh, and my thinking about our country and what had happened so I started digging into this, and I'm you know, a full-time emergency doctor as chairman of the department, and I got more and more involved, and I made a call, an early call, for people to come forward who did know about this. And at that time, <clears throat> the Disclosure Project, in that incarnation, let's call it, was called Project Starlight. And Project Starlight was a briefing process um, for the executive branch and then eventually members of Congress. So <clears throat> I ended up putting together all this information and whistleblower testimony, documents. I ended up receiving some top secret uh, documents that were not declassified. 
that I have and have published because we came to the conclusion that these projects are being run unconstitutionally and therefore all personnel, all evidence, and all documents pertaining to them have no protection over the national, from the National Security Act. They cannot be kept secret if they're going to operate outside the oversight of the constitutional oversight requirements of the President and the Congress. What were some of the things that were in the top secret documents? Well, I have one that's from uh, Nellis, so-called Area 51 area, where there was a security alert by some civilian groups trying to see what was going on there. And uh, <laughs> it has the distribution list. The document isn't that important except for, because it was a security alert, you know. Um, but the distribution list is important because it has the project code names and code numbers. That document, <clears throat> which was dated 1990, um, uh, in the 90s, I, is, is one of the documents I gave, for example, uh, to the president's people, and also eventually when I briefed the uh, J2, the head of intelligence, Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Wilson, and that was on the top of the pile because I said, "Look at the distribution list here. Follow that thread." And so, for example, in the case of Admiral Wilson, now you know he's head of intelligence, Joint Staff, Admiral. He made an inquiry into this based on a, a, a portfolio I had couriered to him. But he was denied access. And, he, and th there's public documents now about this that leaked out. And I look it up. And what happened is that he was also threatened personally and with demotion. So this was all happened kind of prior to my stand-up briefing at the Pentagon Forum, which happened in 1997. 25, over 25 years ago, 26. And it was a very disturbing event for him. For me, by then, I was battle-hardened. I realized what was going on. He was shocked that he had been threatened and denied access to these projects. I wasn't, because I said, well, you're in good company. The SecDef, Secretary of Defense has, the President, the Director of the CIA. And by then, I had met with members of key members in the Congress and Senate Intelligence Committee. They had all been pushed aside and denied access. So by then, I had already accepted this new paradigm of there being a center. And we said, and I'm quoting, there's World a secret government. government with its own Air Force, its own Navy, its Fucking own funding mechanism that's above the law and free from the law itself. I'm almost giving an exact quote here. And, you know, that's something that most people have to understand first off here, is that what we're dealing with is not a sanctioned or even the normal black project. And I can say this with authority because I am working now with people who literally manage the black budget of the United States. And they were denied access to all these projects. They had no idea that there were deep black pass-through projects. We'll get into this. How is this done structurally, organizationally? What's the architecture? So it took me a long time to unravel this. And I had to do it through multiple documents, corroborating witnesses, people on the inside who came forward. So in 2001, by then, I had concluded neither the White House nor the Congress was going to touch this. So we launched the Global Disclosure Project, where I gathered together the first 
20-some of these military and some corporate people and had a press club event. It ended up being seen by about 800 million people. Interestingly, the first hour of it was jammed. There had been jamming devices put on the structure of the National Press Club. But it eventually got up, and it used up every T1 line in the city available back then, in 01. And, you know, what happened from that was that then there was a whole movement launch that is going to this day. It's a very slow process because you're dealing with U.S. government moves like a glacier. <laughs> um, and that's complimentary. But I, I think that the, the reality is you can't blame people. There, there, there are these sweeping conspiracy theories that are all wrong. That, you know, somehow, I was just talking to a congressman yesterday who uh, had this idea that there were people in his party um, who were hiding things from him because they knew things, because the process going on now in the Congress, much of it is in classified stiffs and briefings that I know about. But in reality, those people who are trying to get to the bottom of this, they don't know anything. I mean, they're still asking, you know, is that tic-tac? You know, as they call it, this, mm -hmm. this UFO footage, you can drop it in that our uh, Hornets, <laughs> 18s were chasing off of San Diego. Is that, you know, from China? And of course, as soon as I saw it, I matched Probably. it to a 1967 image we have of a Lockheed Skunk Works, so-called anti-gravity device. So that would be us. It's us. It's U.S. Well, let's call it global. It's, it's part of this secret government asset base. So to give people a, a, a little deeper unpacking of this, it's like at the end of the meeting with, with Admiral Wilson. So I'm doing the stand-up briefing. It's supposed to be 45 minutes in his conference room at the Pentagon. And I have astronaut Edgar Mitchell is there, who was the sixth man to walk on the moon, my military advisor, and a couple witnesses, whistleblowers. And this goes on for almost two or like three hours, two or three hours, much longer. He kept canceling appointments because he was so you know, concerned. And at the end of it, I said, look, we really need your help getting to the bottom of this and getting these rogue, illegal projects under control. And he says, well, what am I going to do? He says, I can't act. I'll be rogue unless the Secretary of Defense and the President authorize me to do something like this. And I said, well, that's not going to be forthcoming. I've already, we've already attempted that. And, he's, and he also said something that was very spooky. He said, how do I take on a group that have technologies that can do circles around the best thing I know we have, a B-2 stealth? He says, that's the best thing I know to deploy. And I have found out, and I have now convinced there is, a secret organization that have technologies that can literally do circles around my B-2. And I said, yes. And he just said, it's point, set, match. I said, he says, I don't even know how to take that on. And that is how that meeting ended. You know, wow. Very grave. And I went, well, you know, there's a difference. Those projects are being run outside the law. And I said, you know, <clears throat> the law is only what you, power is only what you use. If you don't use the law and if you don't use power, then you let sociopaths and criminals run amok. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, that's what's happened since the late 1950s. I later found it was on Eisenhower's watch. Unfortunately, he was old, he was tired, he was a four-star general, World War II, that this group of, um, the secret government group sort of seized 
control over these operations. So in reality, the constitutional government of the United States has not Nazi been in a proper oversight and control of these operations since the late 1950s. Since the since so we've seventy been years, from yeah, almost sixty, yeah, two thirds of a century. Getting justice. Wow. So that's sort of the, just to give an overview of, of how this evolved, and now it's evolved to a very big event that's happened um, about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, the Congress passed, and the president signed a law that has for the defense funding, National Defense Authorization Act. And it explicitly allows people to come out uh, as witnesses, whistleblowers on the UAP, UFO issue, including contractors, not just government employees, but contractors like Lockheed Skunk Works, Northrop, Raytheon, Booz Allen Hamilton, MITRE Corporation, SAIC. These are all big chief primary contractors working on the reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materiel and also the building up of systems based on that and other technologies. So why do you think it took so long for this to for this bill to come about? It just has that you know when we released about five years ago um, five and a half years ago unacknowledged so people if you have Amazon Prime or Tubi or Hulu or whatever um, that documentary got about, uh, in the first six months, 760 million people see it. None of us that was pirated in dark web, Pirate Bay, whatever. It's fine. It, it, we're, what I'm doing is not-for-profit not purpose of educating the public on this. I left my medical career to fix this massive problem for not only our country, but for the world and, and the future of humanity. But that you know, caused a lot of stir, and it, it triggered a series of events that has now led, a few years ago, to the law being passed that the Director of National Intelligence must report on this issue to the Congress. But now, you know, I told folks that I'm working with, and I can't disclose exactly who they are, but they're the most senior people, uh, and said, look, there needs to be a clear pathway. Because the only way you're going to get this, you're not going to get this through the chain of command. You're going to have to get people who come in as whistleblowers and witnesses, who are direct witnesses to this, even if it's a small part of what they saw. You know, maybe they were only guarding a hangar where there was one of these triangular objects at my uncle's old company. My uncle worked on the lunar module, but the first man on that, North of Grumman. Um, but which is part of how I had an interest in this. You know, if you're if your uncle kind of put the first man on the moon or was part of that is sort of a fun thing for a little boy, you know. Yeah. You know, I was 14 when we landed on the moon. So. But um, it was just a great thing to, to, to have a family member involved with that. But I think that, you know, most people underestimate how important every little detail is. It's filmed on a set. So what I did in the 90s up to the 2001 event, what I've done since, is put together sort of a whole puzzle, Odyssey. a mosaic, based on thousands of little pieces of data. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the evidence is easy to get your mind around one at a time. What's hard to get your mind around is the entire uh, intelligence analysis that has to go with it. So that's what I've specialized in, is gathering that data and then connecting all the dots. Um, you know, how does this corporate in operation interface with this base and this GIF? 
for people who don't know the secure compartmented information facility. Yeah, a skiff is a, a skiff is where highly Sensitive, highly classified documents, conversations, mission planning. Right. The, the the that's where it all happens. Right. Is in a skiff. Right. Yep. And I've been involved with that, although I wasn't supposed to be. But I get ushered into places even though I've never been in the government. I've never, I will not accept a clearance or a, a, a secrecy oath or non-disclosure agreement. So all this I'm telling you, I can tell you because I hold, people who know the system will know I hold my own clearances in that sense. I, I can say what I want to to whomever. What my rule is, is that if, if let's say you were someone who had been involved in an operation at the Dugway Proving Grounds out in you know Utah, which is, there's a dumb there, deep underground military base that's, very much involved with this issue, um, and their assets there, man-made, anti-gravity, very advanced aircraft. Um, that we, you know, have I have people who have been there who've seen them come up at night and move out in these huge black triangles, and um, those are ours, by the way. Now there are some extraterrestrial ones that are similar. So if you can envision this, almost any airfoil or superstructure. Well, that they puppy. observe that's of an extraterrestrial origin that has been able to create, let's say, copycat or similar. So this makes this very confusing and unfortunately opens up the possibility of a number of false flag or what Pentagon called deceptive indications and warnings uh, operations or false flag operations. But that's, so let's say that you're one of those guys, and you come to me and you say, my name is so-and-so, here's my DD-214, you prove you were there. But you say, I don't want to ever be identified publicly. But I will go into the skiff to provide this information to the people who have now made this pathway for me to come forward legally. Then I will arrange for that to happen. That's what we're doing. And I'm making a call right now. Anyone, no matter how small or large your involvement was, over the last 70 years with this issue, there's a pathway, there's a door open. We don't know how long it'll stay open. How can you get your financial future organized? Well, if you don't have life insurance yet, that should be at the top of your list. Fabric by Gerber Life is the easy one-stop shop you need with life insurance and other family finance solutions all in one place. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help get a high-quality, surprising